Welcome to What's That About with Joel and Tina. Hey. hey it's been a long time. Well, yeah. Uh, part two. Part the second half. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we decided, I think that we used to do a lot of ideas. Yep. And so we would discuss ideas. We'll do that. Um, but for right now, to kind of give us a crutch and to give you a, a standing point, we're going to start off with um, First Peter. Yes. And so we're going to go through First Peter over the next couple of weeks. And what we'll do is read a piece of the scripture, talk about it, and then uh, read some more. Yes. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, I'm reading from the NIV. And this is First uh, Peter chapter 1. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to the obedient, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and mm. sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. That was uh, like how... Paul opens up his letters, or here's Peter, of yes, course. Yes, it's not Paul. No, it's not. There we go. We're already starting off wrong. No, right. you're right. But Peter, he's also, he's, I guess it just reminds me of Paul's letters, you know, how Paul would open up his letters with this great greeting. And here we have Peter kind of doing a very similar thing. Who is he writing to? He's writing to the exile scattered. And it reminds us that, you know, the early church was not maybe all we think it, it really was. They didn't have their act together. They, they, they had troubles. They had squabbles. You read through the book of Acts, and it's like, you know, they had to put up cancels here. They had to elect people here. They couldn't get their act together. It was, it was really kind of an amazing thing. And here Peter is writing to those already exiled, already scattered, those who had heard the gospel, those who had come to faith, and they're not forgotten, they are remembered. I really like that. It's a great opening by Peter. By Peter. By Peter. <laughs> yeah. The disciple of Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not Paul. Yes. Also a disciple of Jesus. Right. Um, the thing that kind of struck me was that that idea of even if you don't know how to say the word, uh-huh. just say it with confidence. <laughs> when, you, when you were reading it, you're like, I'm yeah. just going to go through it. I'm just going to do this. Yeah. That's how that word is pronounced yes. today in yes. this moment. Bithynia. Bithynia. Yeah. What, yeah. It's, it's good. Whatever you say. That is so true. That's what I tell people, you know, when whenever we uh, read out loud in church and you know, we go to a, a difficult passage of scripture, and it's almost always some name or some town. You know, that's that what nobody I say. really right. knows how to pronounce. Just say it with confidence. Say it like you believe it, and nobody's going to be the wiser. It's it's it, it works. It now there works. are some that people do know. But <laughs> Rome. Even well, I was thinking of Galatia. Uh, okay, sure. But, but sure. even then, if you, if you say, "Well, that's the way I pronounce uh, yeah. it," yeah, Galatia. <laughs> the other thing that I liked yeah. was yeah. the different aspects of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so he talks about the foreknowledge of yeah. God the Father, yeah. the sanctifying work right. of the Spirit, right. um, to be obedient to Jesus Christ sprinkled right. with his blood. Right. And I love, so we've been talking a lot about this idea, foreknowledge, that God has taken our actions from yesterday mm-hmm. to answer our prayers for tomorrow. Mm. That God has already worked out what we're going to need in the yeah, future. That's, that's that amazing. He, before the world began, he knew that on, you know, May 18th, 2018, 
that some that what things are going to happen and what would be needed in order to answer the prayers right. that would be right. coming up. Right. That he was aware of all of that and is answering those prayers, is aware of those prayers. Yeah. And I just find that kind of amazing. One of the things we, we do talk about at Bible study at our church is this concept of what is the foreknowledge of God and how does that really work in our day-to-day lives? If God already knows what's going to happen, does that mean we actually have a choice or not? And that's a really, it's a really important question to ask is, you know, are we just doing whatever we're doing because God already knows and we don't have a choice? Or is it because we will make a choice and God just happens to know? Which, if you think about it, that's a very significant difference. So, you know, the way we break it down kind of in the big theological words is predestination versus predetermination. And predestination is where God already knows what's going to happen and will work it out for our good. Um, and due to foreknowledge can help us along the way. Whereas predetermination is where everything is already set in stone. Whatever, whatever choice we think we have actually is just an illusion. And as Christians, we do not believe in predetermination. We believe in free will. Otherwise, there couldn't actually be sin. If we can't sin, then there's no reason for Jesus. So the whole thing blows up. But we do believe in predestination, meaning God knows and God directs. Yeah, in some ways, it's kind of like, as an adult, if you tell a small child, <laughs> don't put your hand on the stove, it's hot. Yeah. It's not because you want you don't want the kid. I mean, you do not want the kid to do that. Yeah. But the truth is, is you know what the outcome will be. Right. You don't determine, like you don't make them do it. Um, sometimes you do make them not put their hand on the stove. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes. I mean, it is kind of that concept <sighs> of you know what the outcome will be, but you're yeah. not forcing it. You can't, mm-hmm. I mean, and God is all present. So, I mean, every example has its own shortfalls. And mm-hmm. That one has a lot the mm-hmm. more I talk about it. So I'm just going to quit. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Anything else from this uh, first part? Um, you know, I was reading something today and they were talking about this blood idea. I think mm-hmm. that this idea of, of sprinkled with his blood mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a very unusual, like that seems kind of weird, kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. the thing that I was reading about was like, why are all these Christian songs so, so weird? Bloody. <laughs> and they go, you know, like, well, not even the bloody ones. Yeah. Because I, the one from Hillsong, I want to consume me from the inside out. It's okay. like, are you talking about God eating your guts? <laughs> you know, the, sure, if you look at it from the world's perspective, that right. is weird. It is of weird. Course. And so yeah. like the, I think that this idea of, of sprinkled with his blood is something yeah. that, you know, obviously Peter was writing to people who were aware of the whole sacrifice concept. Yeah. You know, that yeah, when yeah. when they sacrificed at the holy temple, yeah. they would sprinkle the blood on the altar. They would right. sprinkle the blood right. on the people that that, that blood would be what cleansed you. And, um, you know, here we are with that same kind of sacrifice. And the amazing thing is, is that Jesus's sacrifice was good once and for all. That it's not like we have to continue to wash ourselves in his blood. When he died on the cross, our sins are forgiven. All of them. Yeah. Not just the ones that we were aware of when we came to Christ. Right. But all the ones that we'll make from here until... No, the end of time. No wonder why he cried out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" The 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 burden of that, the scapegoat, the ultimate scapegoat, 
to take upon the sins of the world, it's just inconceivable. That's why his blood is sprinkled on us, because he purifies us. He makes us clean. He was the sacrifice He was the sacrifice. And I I recognize, though, you know, for non-Christians, you hear blood, and it's like, that is weird. Yeah. Well, sometimes even for Christians. Sure, sure. We have to recognize that, Why are you talking this blood talk? Yeah, right, right. But it is a a central aspect to what we understand uh, purification. Well, uh, and it starts very early in Genesis. Like, even in Genesis, you you have Cain and Abel. Sure. And you have these two offerings, and one is the best that is a blood sacrifice, and the other one is a kind of man grain sacrifice. Yeah, well, The one that that God... Barbecue, right? I mean, who can resist that? Right. I mean, even (laughs) Noah. Noah had that blood sacrifice. Sure, sure. So that concept has been a part of our people. Yeah, from right in the beginning, this idea of, yeah. you know, we offer sacrifice to God. And the amazing thing is, is that there was a time in which we could offer sacrifices to become right with God. And now we no longer have to do that because we've been made right with God. Right. Forever. And you're hitting on something there. I think it's really important there to be obedient to Jesus Christ sprinkled with his blood. You know, sometimes we have this concept that, through our own efforts, we can make ourselves better. You know, we can um, uh, present ourselves, we can clean ourselves up before God, you know, put on our best self and say, God, here here I am, I'm good enough, right? And I think the whole point is, no, we can't sprinkle ourselves. Well, normally what we're sprinkling ourselves with is just more dirt. <laughs> more, Look, more I cleaned dirt myself. With dirt. It was like the kid that went and gave himself a mud, a mud bath. <laughs> yeah. I cleaned myself up, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. I did it real good. But here's the really important thing. There is no such thing as self-purification. We can't make ourselves holy. We can't make ourselves right. And we have to come to grips with that. Now, for some, you don't like that. Because it means that you can't work your way towards the goodness of God. For others, that's a great relief because you recognize that no matter how much you fall short, God's still there to catch you. Uh, that's an amazing thing. You know, it's, it's amazing as well. Like in these two short verses, yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's there is uh, it's just amazing. I love this beginning uh, that we get from Peter. So maybe we should move on to um, verses 3 through 12. Do you want to read those? Sure. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. And all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care 
trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Yeah, we can't start at the end and work our <laughs> Wow, there's so, there's so much going on in here. One is the inheritance. We go back to the right. top part. There's this inheritance. And, you know, we understand earthly inheritance. And it's something that, you know, we have to wait for. And that's the whole thing. It's inheritance is something you have to wait for. But sometimes in an earthly inheritance, you don't know if it's actually going to come or how, what it's actually going to look like. What's going to be there for you? Do you have to fight for it? Sometimes inheritance in earth is not a good thing. It becomes a negative. It becomes a burden. But the inheritance of heaven is not only guaranteed, we know exactly what it is. It's a promise given to us by God. And if God makes a promise, that is an ironclad guarantee. There is no doubt about that. And what is the inheritance? The inheritance is this new birth, this living hope, this resurrection from the dead with Christ. It is so fantastic to think about. It means we don't have to worry about death. It means that we don't have to worry about mercy. Um, and we don't have to worry about what's going to happen at the end. It's going to turn out okay. That's amazing. It is amazing. <clears throat> it's almost a little too much. <laughs> I mean, to try to wrap our minds around it. Right. Wow. I mean, I'm still like just looking at this. He's given mm -hmm. us new birth mm -hmm. into a living hope. Mm -hmm. You know, what is what is that living hope mm -hmm. about? Mm -hmm. Because I I don't believe that it's all just about the future. Mm -hmm. you know, that even though there's this talk of you're building your inheritance, it's kept in mm -hmm. heaven for you. That I think that this living hope idea is something that is is current. I mean, it, it's currently happening. It's not mm -hmm. a future time. Mm -hmm. I think that we, we have been born again mm -hmm. and that living hope is now. Right. And that idea, I think, is really difficult because, you know, we talk about these things like, oh, you know, don't give them any false hope. <clears throat> Which is kind of an unusual word that that idea of false hope. Yeah, you've always kind of struggled. Uh, with yeah, it. you have, you have. What is that false hope? Yeah. Right, right. Can you really give someone false hope? Yeah, I think you can. I mean, I think you can. Isn't that just deception? Sure. Can't we call it something else? We can. But I, I, I this idea of living hope. So yeah. how does hope live? How is hope alive? Right. And um, the oh, clue that wait. we have in the scripture is through the resurrection of Jesus, yeah. that, that our hope is the fact that he has conquered death. And I think that as humans, the majority of our days, especially in this era, are about combating death. Well... So much, so much of our culture is about not getting older and not, you know, allowing things, you know, so many pharmaceuticals that are about keeping things young and active and so many like lotions and creams about making sure you don't get wrinkles that, that there's so much that we're working towards to make sure that we're not appearing to be dying, which physically we all are moving towards death. 
you know, I think that it's kind of amazing to think about the fact that within that, we have a hope that is alive, that can't ever die. And that's the thing that keeps us going. Um, right at the end of the verse 6, it says, You greatly rejoice, for though for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. That's real life. Real life is grief and all kinds of trials. And when we have grief and when we have trials, it's not, it's not if, it's when. When that happens, right. what are we going to do about it? What do we turn to? Where do we find hope again? And there's a sense that real hope is found in the resurrection of Christ, is in the presence of the Spirit. And it just strikes me. You know, today we're recording this on uh, Friday when this morning we heard news in, in Santa Fe, Texas with a, another school shooting. Parkland, Florida, just a couple of months ago. And these are coming more and more uh, regular. And it's alarming. It's frightening. Uh, it's, it's horrifying. And a lot of us are lost for words. Where do we go? What do we say? What is amiss? There's so many answers and so many ways to turn. But somehow, somewhere, we've got to find hope. We've got to find hope in something that is real and solid and powerful so that when the trials do come and more trials will come our way, that we're not rocked. And that, I think, is really what, what Peter's trying to really point to. He's talking to the people in exile. He's talking to the people that are suffering, that are going through grief of trials. And he's trying to say, look, God is with you. God, there's the word there, shielded. You are shielded by God's power until salvation comes. So there's a sense that God is with us now. We don't have to wait until the inheritance that we can get God with us now. It's so critical for us to be grounded in that. Otherwise, we're floating free in this universe that is terrifying and horrible and sorrowful and if we don't have God, well, you're in trouble. Well, I think that if you do have God, one of the things he talks about in verse 8, you, know, you, you haven't seen him, mm -hmm. you love him, though. Yeah. You, don't, yeah. um, you don't see him now, but you believe in him, yeah. and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Yeah. Oh, and and so that good. is that inexpressible and glorious joy is the end result of your faith. You know, that, and that end result is the salvation of our souls. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. <clears throat> within all of that, and I yeah. think the thing that also really kind of jumps out to me is he, he says a little while. So he's talking about people who have been taken from their land, mm -hmm. probably have never even lived in the, the Holy Land yeah. within their lifetimes, yeah. maybe not even their parents, who have no <laughs> hope of coming back anytime soon. And he calls it a little while. Hmm. That even if you are in the midst of this trial your entire life, that is still a small portion of your life. That if you live to be a hundred mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. deal with it or mm -hmm. you suffer from it yeah. your entire life, that's still only a little while. Reminds me of that uh, Hall of Faith passage in uh, Hebrews 11 where all these people... You know, from Abraham to Japheth to David and on and on and Gideon, all these names and people and they're, all these things are happening to them and none of them ever saw 
the salvation of humanity. When he that says we that here too. In Christ. And that's, you know, Peter kind of echoes that here later on. It's like all these people, whenever they open their mouths, whatever they said in the past, it was the Spirit leading them towards something that we celebrate in Christ. Right. Oh. I mean, in, in verse 10, it says they searched intently with the greatest care, <laughs> right. trying to find out the time and circumstances right. in which Christ was pointing to the how, Messiah. How blessed are we that the Messiah has come? How blessed are we to know that salvation has actually arrived? It's not an if. Yeah. It's a has. Yeah, it's not even a when. It, it We know. Right. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Yeah. I also like this idea that even angels long to look <laughs> into these things. Yeah. Like this idea yeah. that the angels have work that they're supposed to do. Yeah. That yeah. unlike humanity, yeah. Yeah. they do not have a free will. They are the the handymen, I guess, of God in some ways. That they do God's bidding. Mm-hmm. And... You know, even they, like in the midst of doing their biddings, are like, man, I would really like to look into this Messiah business. That, <laughs> that is just so awesome. That yeah. they serve Christ, and at the same time, they desire to study about Christ. And I think that one of the most amazing things about the ability of having the Internet and the world the way that it is, is that you can learn about Jesus, mm. that you have access to the greatest minds who have ever thought about Christ and their thoughts are within a few clicks of your your mouse or you know a couple taps of your fingers. It's just really amazing how in this day and age, if you want to know more about Christ, beyond just developing a relationship with him, but to know what the historic parts of it are. I mean, so much has been discovered and collected about, you know, the the archaeological bits of the Bible and all these different aspects, how much we have. You You can spend your entire life exploring one aspect of Christ and never get to the end of it. (laughs) But at the end of the day, you know, um, it, it comes down to how we, we live it out day to day. You know, we could have an intellectual knowledge. We could have an emotional knowledge. We could have um, where we dedicate our lives to Christ. Uh, but every day it comes down to you know, what does it mean to live out our faith? What does it mean to actually get up in the morning and look for God in our midst? See what God's already up to. And it, it comes down to this living hope that, that we find in Christ. If we have that... If we believe in that inheritance, if we trust in God's providence to be with us, to know that the Messiah has already come, what's today going to look like with all that in mind? It's incredible. Yeah. Well, on that night, we're going to close it up for tonight. Thank you guys for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much. We will be back later yes. next week, hopefully, with the second part of this chapter. Yes, indeed. And we'll be working our way through. So you guys have a great and glorious day. Amen. Amen.